Lowry Marketing is your all-star. It's all coming up on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the February 3rd edition of Locked on Jazz, Lowry Markin and the All-Star. The journey that got him here, the signs it was coming, the explosion in Utah. Will Hardy's experience is shown front and center, All-Star snubs, and points gained Friday for you, all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps. Join the YouTube group, be a part of Locked on Jazz, the community, share comments, thoughts with everybody else along the way. Thanks so much uh, for joining the show. Uh, today's show, by the way, I guess I probably should add in that last little thing that like, you know, that old sponsor thing so that we can do everything for free for you actually matters. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That was really sweet when Lowry made the All-Star. You, you knew it. It seemed right. But frankly, we probably were less stressed out about it than we should have been because the amount of guys that didn't make it, Anthony Davis, namely, pretty incredible. Jaron Jackson Jr. making over Anthony Davis. That's pretty big. Kawhi Leonard not making the all-star team. I know he doesn't play all the time, but pretty big. So uh, for our guy to make that all-star team um, and be able to um, you know, show that it's pretty great. Um, and really, you know, incredibly excited for him. I thought his press conference, he, he was a little, you know, as is Lowry, he was a little less emotional than I thought he was going to be. I thought we might get him to break. He really is just a really super serious guy. Super nice, but super serious and doesn't break much. Let's go back. I started to do this yesterday preemptively. And then paused. The journey's incredible. So he's from Finland, as you know. He's the baby brother of three of a very athletic family. And is often the case with these guys. They are the third in the family. Like, that's not unusual at all. That they're the youngest of the group. He grew up, though, trying to get the NBA as much as he could. He had LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Kobe on his wall as a kid. Um, then he added Dirk Nowitzki later in his career, and then he started getting compared to Dirk. Uh, the Finnish weather, which can have, you know, five, six hours of sunlight in the winter, is what put him in the gym a huge amount. Uh, there's a great story about him playing, either it was a hockey or a soccer game, where he scores three goals, and he comes back, and everyone's excited. He's like, yeah, I didn't really like that. Like, I, 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 that isn't that isn't my deal. Um, I'm not interested in that. He does get hooked up on a Utah tie. Eric Walden did a nice piece about this in the Salt Lake Tribune with former Ute Hano Metla, who's also a Finnish player. And 
Um, and kind of that becomes part of his training, part of like seeing somebody who'd been to the NBA, realizing he could get there. Um, his family's super athletic, as I said. His dad played for Roy Williams at Kansas. His mom played on the Finnish national team. His brother, Arrow, was a striker for the Dynamo Dresden team in Germany. So this is a group that has three brothers, very athletic, tightly, tightly knit family. Um, and <clears throat> he really uh, has, in some conversations I've had with him, as well as I think he shared this publicly in some other places, the move to Arizona was really, really hard on him. At 19 years old to leave Finland, um, if you follow his Instagram post, there's like one post that's super telling. I went, I went and asked him about it, and that's when he kind of opened up to me about it. Um, you know, he just was really, really close with his family for his entire, for his youth. That's kind of was his, they, it sounds like they were just kind of a clan of five, right? Like um, just these elite athletes, busting, working, playing into each other, competing each other, spending their time together. Really, from the conversations I've had with him, sound like this amazing kind of group of five. And obviously his brother was off playing at that point, and then he left. And that first year in Arizona was was crazy hard for him. And, and then shortly after that, you know, he spends just, you, you arrive in Arizona in September, and, you know, by the end of March, you're out, right? You're done. You're now starting to train for the draft and everything else. So you really almost have no time to get settled. And he and he works his way uh, then to Chicago and, and you know, plays his first summer league game in a misspelled jersey. Like, that's a pretty good little run right there. The misspelled jersey to the All-Star game for Lowry Marketing. What is... I was asked yesterday on with Jake and Ben on KSL Sports Zone 97... Five, where you can get all jazz games. Um, you know, what's more surprising, him or Walker Kessler? <clears throat> There's a real argument that some of the Lowry marketing stuff is not that surprising. Okay? Five-star prospect out of Finland. Highest-rated European prospect in the class of 2016. Um, had played FIBA U16, U18, U20. In, the U, in 2016... When he's 18 years old, he averages 25 points, nine rebounds, one assist, two steals, two blocks in the 2016 Euros. In 2016, in the U20 Euros, he scores 33 points in the game-winning basket against Spain. The year before, in the U18 European Championships, he's the leading scorer. Now, he's playing for Finland, so people dismiss it, but... He's the leading scorer. So, this isn't like crazy talk. You go and look at his Arizona like career, it's okay. It's not great. I mean, there's these sh spikes. 26 against Washington, 29 against UCLA, 30 against Arizona State. But then you start to go look at his NBA career. And frankly, what happened to him borders on negligence and the jazz are the benefactor but if you go and look at his rookie year he's 19 years old he's still he was seven feet tall and you go start looking at you know the end of that year 
He's averaging post All-Star game that year, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 45% for the field, 39% from three, and 80% from the free throw line in the 17 games post the All-Star break as a rookie. And then you go to the next year, and this is the year in 2018-19 in which his second year in the NBA where he ends up averaging 19 points and nine rebounds, that they give him the ball. Now, he he's injured until December, and then they give him the ball, and he starts to make plays. And if you, like, break the season on February 1st to the end of the year, his final 23 games that year, he averages 21 points, 10 rebounds, not particularly efficient, 44 points, 33, 43, 4, 44 free field goal, 33 threes, and 89% from the line. Like, it's, it was coming. He was 20 years old. There, there are just all these signs about it. Of, like, he had a stretch in there where he dropped 30 in three straight games. He dropped 30 in, I think, four of eight games. You just don't do that. He has a stretch in... That season where he he kind of goes bonkers. Um, it's about a nine-game stretch or 10-game stretch, but here it is. It's a 14-game stretch. He averages 25 points, 13 rebounds. He shoots 46 from the field, 36 from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Like it's like that, that there aren't a lot of guys who can do that for 13 straight games. And then, for whatever reason, he goes from taking 15 shots a game to 11 the next year in Chicago. To 10. They just completely eliminate his role for the team. And then, there's actually signs in Cleveland and in Utah. And we'll talk about those and continue with it. Plus, some other thoughts about... um, uh, what he's done, but really an incredible, it's a great day as a jazz fan. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, I think you, we all felt it. We all, there was a high, I, I was propped in front of the TV and when he got it, it was great. Um, then drop the highlight package that's available at DLock09 on Instagram and Twitter. So super cool. Today's show, Friday edition of the program is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I'm driving the Santa Cruz. It's cool. It's kind of a hybrid car truck. Um, it is, uh, it's their, you know, it's a pickup truck. It seats four and then it's got the pickup in the back. Car and driver gave it a nine out of 10. Um, so it's gotten pretty big rave reviews so far. It's the 2023 sports adventure vehicle. It's fun. Um, and a neat little way to have like the, the kind of one of a kind sports adventure vehicle that mixes and matches um, everything you need. Starting MSRP is $25,700, so super affordable, available in all-wheel drive, um, but really a, a fun one. Go check it out. It's the Santa Cruz. Um, they have different versions that you know work their way up between 36 and 37, and the limited is 40000 uh, but it's a fun kind of turf or surf car for you uh, with all sorts of different uh, uh, use use way, ways to use it. Uh, the Santa Cruz over at Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, The Hyundai, the Murdochs, the Murdochs, the Hyundais, the Murdochs have been in Utah for over 
uh, 90 years or 80 years and are there for you. So let's make sure you get the VIP experience you deserve. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so we can make sure that you get the VIP experience with Spencer or Jake or whoever we set you up with uh, along the way at Murdoch Hyundai. It is Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. The hiring market is tough right now, and LinkedIn is here to help you and make it easier for you. Small businesses depend on getting these things done fast. They can really stymie your your whole company. Uh, That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people that have skills, values, experiences to help you achieve your goal. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using inside of your job post company and their 875 million member profiles. It's all LinkedIn Jobs. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownNBA. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free for you on all podcasting uh, platforms and apps. Your second listen today, have you checked out Locked On Sports today? 22-minute rundown of all things going on in the sports world. Uh, Get you caught up to everything that's taking place. All the NFL coaching moves, getting you walk you toward the Super Bowl. All the NBA and college basketball news you can't keep up with. It's great. It's Locked On Sports today. So go subscribe and follow that. The thing that's important to hear about Lowry is not some, oh, look, they screwed up, which clearly Chicago did, um, and just kind of in, in an astronomical manner, but more that the, because there are these signs of what he was that led him to be the seventh pick of the NBA draft, that led him to for Chicago in his second year to turn it over to him and have him make the amount of plays that he made in that before, you know, kind of mysteriously they they move beyond him. The irony, by the way, in his first game of the year in the 1920 season, he drops 35 points and 17 rebounds and then doesn't get and takes 25 shots and doesn't get more than 15 shots in a game again until the 30th game of the season when he drops 31. I mean, it is, it is unfathomable like to look back at his game logs. He literally came out on opening night of the 2019 season and scored 35 points and had 17 rebounds, took 25 shots, and then never got more than 15 shots in more than one game. I think two games all season. He took 19 against Washington, scored 31. He had 18 against Dallas. He scored 26. That's it. He never took more than 15 shots in any other game for the rest of the year. Like, who was coaching that team? Uh, It's kind of crazy. The point on this is not just to look back like, oh, we got our all-star. And what's relevant to this is that there was every indication and sign that he had the ability to do exactly what he's doing right now. And that's what's so great about it, if you're a Jazz fan, is the fact that this isn't some weird fluke. This is a guy who you look back at his U15 and U16 and U17 and U18, and he was completely dominant. Um, and then you go look at what he did in Arizona. It's pretty good. Then you look at what he did in his first and second year in Chicago. It's well ahead of what anyone would reasonably expect an 18 or 19-year-old to do it. He's been seven feet the whole time. He didn't shrink somewhere along the way. And 
And then you actually even go back to last year where he was thought of as being just this third piece, kind of big, unique, seven-foot, small forward. Guys start to get hurt last year. He comes back, and when he comes back uh, on the 59th game of the season to close out the year, his closing stretch last year is 17.6 rebounds. He's not clearly getting the ball as much, but he shot 46, 38, 87. 40, so it, it was there then, too. He's definitely on a different role with Darius Garland and all them, and, he's not, and he never gets you know big shot numbers. Uh, I think he had one game over 15, or two, two games over 15 during the stretch, and he had monster numbers anytime he does. So that's, I think, what's super important um, in regards to that uh, with Lowry. Um, Will Hardy, I have one other important Lowry point that just flashed into my brain, and now I have forgotten it. And it's going to drive me crazy. Oh, I think the other thing that took place this year for Lowry that's that's really important is he realized he's the best player on the team. And, And that's actually a big hurdle. And then to the credit of Lowry's teammates, Lowry's teammates allowed him to realize he was the best player on the team. Um, and I think that's like, it's, it's actually, it sounds kind of silly, but it's, it's actually wildly important that like you have to have your teammates play along and you have to believe and Lowry somewhere along the way this year. And he's having a monster year, right? He's shooting 52% from the field. His career is 46 shooting 43% from the three His career is 38. Like these numbers are crazy. But somewhere along the way, he believed he was the best player on the team. And that he was the man. And instead of not having it for a night and deciding, all right, well, other guys have it tonight. We're okay. He has forced himself onto games to maintain his excellence every night. Um, This is a kid who... If you go back through his story, as, as we tried to do today, some of the specifics, are, I mean, this is a guy who at a very young age, like 11, 12, 13, was going to the gym, taking 50 elbow jump shots, writing down how he did on the 50, keeping that chart, and then going back the next day to try to do it. When I asked him who pushed him the hardest in his career, his answer was himself. And it wasn't, dad who played for Roy Williams it wasn't something else of that sort it was that he pushed himself and that to me um, is what's driving him still today um, into all these into this success I still have another piece on him that I've forgotten to be totally honest I thought there was something interesting about what the Jazz did yesterday that's worth pointing out um, that falls into the category of kind of Will Hardy and what Will Hardy is building and doing. And one of the com- you know, one of the things Will Hardy has said is that the thing he's most conscious of all the time is environment. And the environment that he's trying to build with with this team. And they didn't practice yesterday. Instead, what they did is came together to celebrate Lowry's All-Star. Um, that, that's pretty unique. So they did not practice yesterday. Instead, what they did was after Lowry made the All-Star team, it looks as though they basically had a party to celebrate Lowry making the All-Star team and one of their teammates making the All-Star team. Um, and the Jazz did a really nice job that when you actually, when he drove into the building... 
that there was this big um, poster up there uh, for Lowry that basically said, you know, all-star finisher on the big, on the, there's these sliding doors that they drive through um, that when they come in. So I think that was, um, I thought that was super cool to see that kind of commitment and can, and when Will Hardy talks about, you know, the environment that he wants to have and he's been really cognizant of the environment all the time, there, there's your example. There's, there's what he's talking about. There's the environment is that, okay, we're not going to practice today because I'm not going to ask you to come to the, I'm not going to make it a burden for you to come celebrate your teammate. We're going to, we're going to come to the building once today. It's kind of an unspoken rule in the league. Like you got one shot to bring him, you know, there's a joke like to some extent in the whole world of um, shoot arounds, like you want me in the morning, you want me at night. Well, okay, well you're not quite at the level of Wilt Chamberlain when he said he didn't want to come to shoot arounds, but there is kind of a level in the league of like, okay, let's not ask them, you know, like, Hey, let's ask them to come to the building once. Like that's, that's what we're doing. And so the jazz did do that. Um, and, but the once was to celebrate what was going on with Lowry marketing. And I think that's, you know, and to have a party and to, and to cherish the moments. And one of Will's sl- slogans he uses all the time is that fun is underrated. And so trying to create that fun. Um, by the way, NBA all-star game, the two team, the two charities are big brothers and big sisters of Utah as one team and raise the futures. The other, the two will combine, uh, $750,000 will be donated from the NBA to those two foundations in Utah. The All-Star Game obviously bringing incredible value um, to our community as well. So that's that's kind of a cool little um, moment there. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our new sports book. We're so excited about FanDuel. Number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And now if you're a new user, you can go to FanDuel and take advantage of a first-time opportunity through FanDuel and uh, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Huge Super Bowl uh, opportunities for you there to uh, take advantage of and be a part of. Uh, so make sure that you you do take advantage of that and you uh, get out over there and use, if you're a first-time user, FanDuel.com slash locked on has amazing deals for you uh, over, at fan, over there. Check out, enjoy it, be a part of it. Um, and make sure that you take advantage of uh, the latest offer, which is obviously Super Bowl-related. Let me give you the little details on it, if you don't mind. Uh, the It is called, with a fun little name and everything else, the No Sweat First Bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel app now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with the No Sweat First Bet. And, by the way, uh, any bets uh, you like are there. Should be a lot of fun for Super Bowl week. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Your team every day. It is the Locked On Podcast Network. We are excited for you. Uh, Locked On NBA Big Board is your draft spot. We had Leaf to lean on this week. All right, let's go to um, a few other things. All-Star snubs. I kind of talked on a little bit. We'll touch on it here. Second thing, Dylan Brooks is actually isn't very good, by the way. He's actually a really inefficient offensive player. They actually play fine when he's injured. His plus minus is cute because uh, he plays with a bunch of great players. He's dirty as hell and he's bad for the game. Like, that was garbage last night. Good for Donovan. So, I just thought I'd get that out there. 
All right, points gained leaders. Lowry Markinen has vaulted to fourth. Points gained is the points by which a player uses his scoring opportunities in a game above what average players would do with the same possessions. So if you take Nikola Jokic, he has 18 scoring opportunities a night, and he scores 4.5 points above average. Super high. Usually we have 10 players that are above two over a given season. Three players above three. This year will be higher because of the offensive explosion, but not a lot higher. Um, So we usually have three players above three. We have 10 players above two. The premise here largely is that um, negative value players are much more damaging than you would think. Players like Dylan Brooks um, are much more damaging than you would think they are, and you have to avoid having them on your roster. So Jokic is a 4.5. This is why Denver has the number one seed, because if there's only, think about this for a second, if there's only 10 players that are two or better and Jokic is 4.5, to equal Jokic, you somehow have to have two of the players on your roster that are better than 2.0. Right now we have one, looks like right now we have 15 players above 2.0. So here they are. Jokic is 4.5. Durant is 4.1, Steph Curry 3.7, and Lowry Markinen is 3.4. Pretty incredible what Lowry Markin is doing this year. Joel Embiid is 3.3, Dame Lillard is 3.1, Anthony Davis, who should be an all-star, is 3.0. By the way, Anthony Davis and Jared Jackson have played the same. Zion Williamson, 2.9, Demata Sabonis, 2.6, Nick Claxton, 2.4, Thomas Bryant, 2.3. Kevin Pelton was making the point in a conversation I had with him the other day that like centers can have more success in this league than they've ever had efficiently. And it's why you actually almost have to have a center that's efficient offensively. Uh, Rudy Gobert is 2.2. Robert Williams, 2.1. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is 2.0. So of our 14 players that are 2.0 or better, ignoring Jokic, he's really a point guard, and Embiid because he's the offensive premise. Nick Claxton, Thomas Bryant, Rudy Gobert, Robert Williams, four of them are really just centers that dunk, which is fine. That's actually super valuable, but it it makes what Lowry Markin is doing even more impressive. Just to kind of scan down, for those of you that might be new to this, Lucas 1.8, Daniel Gafford 1.8, Mason Plumlee 1.8, Jared Allen 1.7. You can see the centers in here. Brandon Clark 1.7. Boyan Bogdanovich 1.7. Donovan has slipped to 1.7. Jimmy Butler, who should be an All-Star, is 1.7. Jason Tatum is a 1.6. Carl Anthony Town, 1.6. Aaron Gordon, 1.5. Harrison Barnes, 1.4. James Harden, 1.4. Walker Kessler, 1.4. Play more, that number will go up. Dwight Powell, 1.4. Okungu, who we'll see tonight, 1.3. By the way, Atlanta's the number two offense in all the NBA over the last 10 games, number one shooting team. So they are coming in red, red hot. All right, who are the players that, if you're... If I just said, you know, it's almost impossibly two. So if a player is a negative, you know, 1.5 or a negative two or something like that, they're actually devaluing like Nikola Jokic. Like, right? So Dylan Brooks is the worst offensive player in the NBA. Dylan Brooks is a minus 2.9. Cade Cunningham is worse, but he didn't play enough. Dylan Brooks is a minus 2.9. He is the least efficient, most negatively impactful offensive player in the NBA. When you suck, you have to do other things to distract how bad you are. Patrick Beverly, Dylan Brooks. Russell Westbrook's a minus 2.6. Terry Rozier talked about so much in trade deadlines, minus 2.6. Kelly Oubre, minus 2.5. Killian Hayes, minus 2.5. That's a bummer for Detroit. That doesn't sound like it's going to pan out. Dennis Smith, minus 2.2. 
Lamelo Ball minus two point one. He's been funky this year. Uh, Jabari Smith minus one point nine. Not a big deal when a rookie's in here. Jalen Green minus one point nine. Like to see him move out of this. John Wall minus one point nine. Ricky Rubio minus one point nine. Jaden Ivey minus one point seven. C.J. McCollum still minus one point seven, but improving. Chris Middleton minus one point seven. Those two are important because they both aren't usually there. And if they start to click in, those teams are going to get way better. Um, R.J. Barrett minus 1.5, but Danny Ainge spited the Knicks by not taking the best package. He actually just took an all-star instead of an inefficient offensive player. Um, Karis LeVert minus 1.5. Trey Mann minus 1.5 in Oklahoma City. Victor Oladipo minus 1.5. Scotty Barnes minus 1.5 in Toronto. That's not that helpful to you. Uh, So those are the, that's your quick rundown. Let's look at the Utah Jazz for you quickly. Um, <clears throat> the idea is that you get a high-volume, efficient player, and then you surround them all with above-average players, and then you have a championship-caliber team. So Lowry Markin 3.4 would be that. Walker Kessler, 1.4. Kelly Olenek, 1.1. Colin Sexton, 0.8 is really good. That's this like... Colin Sexton's playing really, really well. Jared Vanderbilt, 0.4. Alexander Walker, 0.4. That's cool, because that's a big step. Ochai is even. Clarkson's a minus 0.4, which is improved from last year. Mike Conley's a minus 0.7. Malik Beasley's a minus 1. Rudy Gay's a minus 1.1. Leandro Balmero, minus 1.1. And Kalen Horton Tucker is a minus 1.3. Hottest players in the NBA right now. Sorry, trend it. On hottest players in the NBA right now, Dame Lillard over the last 10 games is a 7.6. Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Jalen Duran in Detroit, the rookie. Giannis Adekumbo, Lowry Markkinen, Norman Powell, Steph Curry, Nick Claxton, Mason Plumley in Charlotte. That's wild. Joel Embiid, James Harden are all above three. A.J. Griffin from Atlanta, who we're going to see tonight, is playing really, really well, shooting, shooting half his shots from three and busting 51% of them or, or so uh, recently. He's really good. Um, cold, Jimmy Butler's hot, by the way, at 2.2. Coldest players in the NBA right now. Uh, Brandon Ingram in a single game back. Dylan Brooks minus 4.5 uh, is and Andrew Nebhart in Indiana minus 5.5 are the two coldest players in the NBA. Nebhart's played eight games. Brooks has played nine. LaMelo minus 3.8. I mentioned I've seen him recently. He doesn't look right. Andrew Wiggins minus 3.8. Pascal Siakam minus 3.8. Tim Hardaway minus 3.7. He's been a... Tim Hardaway's kind of been my point of a big problem for... Um, Dallas and why they're 500. Uh, Tyler Hero minus 3.4. And interestingly, Donovan Mitchell minus 3.3. Donovan, Donovan's in a full-on scuffle right now, by the way. And his he was not great last night before uh, his last five games battling through this groin injury. He's at 37% from the field and 31% from three. Uh, since the 70-point game, he hasn't been quite right. That is your points gained. That is your rundown. Jazz and the Hawks tonight. Have a great one. Thanks so much for being a part of Locked on Jazz. <laughs>